Welcome to the Spice of Life podcast, featuring Tanner Wilshaw and Luke Spicer, two talented fighters discussing life, fighting, work, family, balance, and everything in between. Tune in weekly for your fill of laughs. Now, here's your hosts, Tanner Wilshaw and Luke Spicer. Fighting out of the white corner, he reclaimed the belt earlier this year at Glory 32, Virginia. His record, 28 wins with just three losses, eight of those wins by knockout, seven and one in his glory career. At five feet, 10 inches tall, 1.78 meters, he weighed in at an even 142 pounds, 64.4 kilos. Fighting tonight out of Canada, ladies and gentlemen, he is the defending and reigning two-time glory featherweight champion of the world. He is Gabriel Varga. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Spice of Life. Today we've got Gabriel Varga from Glory. Hey Gabriel, what's up? Things are going great. Uh, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a break for me since the last fight, but uh, I'm excited to get on the podcast with you guys. Just uh, tell everybody what my plan is for the new year. Yeah. Perfect. We're excited to hear that. So you you did you did have a fight recently, end of October, I think, right? Yes, that's right. And where was that fight at? Uh, we were down in Denver for that one. Okay. You defended your well, you fought for your title. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I won the glory title in uh, July uh, in a rematch uh, against uh, Sergey Adamchuk, and then uh, I fought uh, Robin Van Roosmalen in October, and uh, unfortunately didn't defend it there. Yeah, and that was a TKO in the fifth round. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the, so at the end of the fourth round, I okay. uh, walked back to my corner. Um, my brother asked me, "Do you think you can KO this guy?" Because that's the, that's the point that we we're at now. You know, on the scorecards, uh, I wasn't going to win on uh, on on decision. So he just went, "Do you think you can KO him?" And I went, "I just I don't think so." Um, my brother wanted me to be safe. He's like, "You know, if we're not putting him away, what's the point in doing the extra round?" And just we just went, "You know what? Let's just stop it." another round just to just to get hit and beat on and t- t- you know on that off chance that you land a shot and we just we just decided it was smarter you know you know fight another day yeah what happened in that fight did you just get rocked too many times a number of things um the first round was a close round i haven't actually gone back and even watched it i'm not a big fan of watching my fights after i will when i get to the next training camp just to see what i need to correct uh, especially if i fight him again but I haven't actually watched the first round yet, but I've had you know uh, some feedback that it was a close round. Uh, but then in the second round, uh, we forgot to put my mouth guard in, and uh, he tagged me with a hard shot to the uh, right upper temple, the right temple. And even without the mouth guard, there's a good chance I would have gone down. But I've never felt sort of a ringing sensation and a clang the way I did there. So from there, it kind of all went downhill. Um, he managed to put me down again later in the round when I had my mouth guard in. You know, I got hit with a couple, and I went, oh, that hurt, and I just took a knee. Uh, and then the rest of the fight was just, I was just uh, out of it. Not uh, not mentally, but just, you know, being in there, I went, you know, I want to fight. I'm, I'm putting everything I have into it, but I just couldn't get my brain functioning the way I wanted to. You know, I needed to keep more distance, um, throw more kicks, and he's just such a tank of a guy that I just couldn't get going the way I wanted and uh, it was partly my fault, you know, I, I prepped up for this guy thinking that number one, he would either weight cut an enormous amount and he would get drained in the fight and tire down, or number two, he would drop weight throughout his training camp and he wouldn't hit as hard as he normally does. And uh, a lot of people after said, no, he looked fantastic and, and I know he hit hard and his cardio was there like always, so, you know, he's just he's just a great fighter and, and I have to make adjustments for him. Now, when you got hit with that one, that that first fight or the first punch that knocked you down, it did you lose a tooth or just chip a tooth? I didn't actually lose them. That that was nice. The um, this tooth right here clanged into into that one, and the, that one I lost about a third of the tooth uh, across the the bottom, and then somehow this tooth here, the whole back of it got scraped off. Whoa. So it was about it was just felt like a little peg tooth. And I was very fortunate. Uh, I came back, and my wife had already set up uh, an appointment with uh, a dentist in town, who's one of the best cosmetic guys. And 
he just uh, went over, did some bonding on it, and he said, you know, this will hold for forever, as long as you live. So, uh, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. You know, we have uh, we have good coverage in, in Canada and everything. You know, I was down in the States, and I was going, oh, should I go and get this looked at? But Because it kind of hurt when I ate. Uh, but, you know, I didn't bother with it, and it worked out well. So, yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the worst thing was, you know, for a few days I had sore teeth. Yeah, I feel like breaking your tooth would be would hurt more than actually getting the whole thing knocked out. Oh, definitely breaking it. You know, it could have it could have got a little bit lower or a little further up, and you know, actually got into the root of the tooth, which apparently oh. would have been really painful, and might have had to have the actual tooth pulled then. Or uh, you know, I've seen fights in K one in the old days where guys actually lost their whole tooth. Yeah, like you said, and without a mouth guard, it's it's not unrealistic that that could have happened. So, so what uh, happened there? You guys just forgot to put it in. It's just one of those things, you know, usually after, uh, we've just been fortunate, even in the hard fights I've had, usually I come back to the corner and uh, my brother and uh, my other uh, cornermen are, are really calm, you know, I've done my job, uh, they're not too panicked, but they came back and they were trying to just give me instructions and, you know, they were just a little bit more panicked too and, um, yeah, it just it just got forgotten and usually I would notice, it's happened a couple times where I was just like, oh yeah, I need my mouth guard guys and just this one I was... I was just in there, and I mean, I must have fought for, I don't know, 45 seconds or a minute maybe before that knockdown happened, and I didn't notice it until until it hit me, and then I was I was like, oh, there's something in my mouth. And I, oh, that's that's part of my tooth. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, that's, that's the downside. I mean, I have a, a great support system here in town, and, uh, you know, my brother has been in my corner for uh, pretty much all my fights, and he took over as my main, my main corner man, and then my other... Uh, buddy who holds pads for me he just started holding pads for me one day about seven years ago um and it's been really good and it's worked really well but you know they're not guys who are off at fight cards every week who have been doing it for for decades and and you know their experience in the fight game is basically with me so you know the mistakes happen um and it's it's not it's not that big a deal really you know Hey, if I wouldn't have remembered my mouth guard going in, Tanner would have forgot it too the last fight. <laughs> it just happens, you know. It, it can happen to anybody. I mean, um, I've had a, a very experienced cutman in my corner, or a cornerman uh, with me before, Lynn Hamilgene from Ontario. And, you know, he works for the UFC now as, as their cutman. He's been all around the world. And um, I'm sure he has an actual set procedure. You know, the mouth guard goes here. As soon as the round in, he pulls it out. And he wouldn't, wouldn't be forgetting that sort of thing. But... Um, you know, he wasn't there for that one, and again, you know, it, it's a small price to pay for for how big a, a mistake it could have been. You know, it could have been teeth out, it could have been other stuff. It was a little chip. The guy fixed my teeth up perfectly. We we all learn from it. It won't happen again, and and that's not too bad. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't think that 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 whole interaction and that punch and everything started laying the ground the groundwork for what happened after. I don't like to make excuses like that, um, you know, sure, maybe it could have played out a little differently if I hadn't got knocked down that first one, maybe I wouldn't have got knocked down in the fight, um, because I managed, you know, in round three and four to, to stay up, I got dropped down twice in the second, so maybe that would have played a small difference, but really, at the end of the day, I don't like to say things would have changed, he was the better fighter that night, that oh, night and, uh, and, and I have to make adjustments, you know, that that's it, so... I just I don't like when I see fighters in the past. I remember before I started competing, and people would lose, and they'd go, "Oh, you know, if only this, if only that." No, the bottom the bottom line was he was the better fighter that night. So, spoken like a two champ. No, that's yeah. the way to, that's the way it has to be. That Over. was title defense number one. That was number two. I've, I've been oh, flip flopping okay. back and forth now. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> I won the title back in uh, April in 2015 against Mosab Amrani. And then I defended it uh, the same year, about six months later, in Milan against Sergei Adamchuk. Uh, very ugly, sloppy, close fight. He won by uh, by it was a unanimous decision actually, but it was only by a point. And you know, there's some points from him in the fight that could have been taken off for holding. I rematched him. I won it back, and then I lost it again. So I get oh, it. Okay. I lose it. I get it. I lose it. Like next time I get it, I have to I have to sort some stuff out. You know, there's there's so much psychology and and mental prep for fighting and. And I excel on the way up. I've found that before, you know, when I'm the underdog or when I have a goal, you know, I want to get to that glory title or I want to get in glory. I want to get the glory contender uh, uh, trophy. I always have goals, move forward, move forward. And then, 
once I get the belt, I just I sort of lose focus of of why I'm still training hard and why I'm still fighting. I'm like I'm already number one. What what's this for? What's my motivation? And and then once I lose it, I want it back really bad. But then again, once I have it, I kind of eh. And when I lose it, I'm not that upset, which is the weird thing. You know, I, I lost I lost the belt twice. And I was like, you know what? I'll get it back. It's not it's not that big a deal. And I need to change that. Do you have it in your contract for instant rematch? Um, actually, uh, my contract expired. Um, I've just been working with Glory, so no, I didn't have anything like that in the contract. Glory contracts are, are not done fight on a fight-to-fight basis generally, or at least with me, they're done on, uh, or at least for me, they've been year-long contracts. I've completed three of them now, um, and we're working on signing uh, a fourth one, and you know, Glory tried to lock me up for an extended period of time, and, and I'm, I'm happy with the one-year contracts because I feel I have uh, the ability to to grow and grow, and why would I want to sign in for a long term when I can, you know, I- increase my value every year? So, um, yeah, the negotiations haven't been have, haven't been going as quick as we wanted. Um, you know, they expired uh, shortly after I fought Rusmallen, and, and we're still working away at it right now. But I haven't been in a rush to get back. Uh, you know, we just had Christmas uh, a few days ago, and and this was the first Christmas I got to actually enjoy and relax for I think three or four years now. <laughs> so yeah, I, I haven't been in a rush. You know, I'm aiming to get back in the ring March or April. So I have uh, have lots of time, and I have loads of offers nowadays from uh, from all around the world in different promotions. So I know I'll get back in the ring soon, and and hopefully it'll be with Glory. And yeah, and and we'll see what uh, what they want me to do. Bellator Kickboxing has been in contact with you. I've been in contact with them too. Yeah, pretty much every uh, every possible promotion from uh, from the biggest even to some smaller ones. Uh, I think I have about seven or eight guys right now that that my managers are are contacting with, and um, and there's always the offers in MMA. But I still I still love kickboxing. Um, so yeah, at the moment it's just been uh, going to the jiu- jujitsu classes, and and I love taking uh, little breaks from kickboxing in between. I've been doing it for two or three years now. You know. Train for two months for a fight really hard, and then and then I don't really kickbox that much for uh, for a couple months until the next fight camp because it it really fuels that uh, that two months of, of hard training. I'm not I'm not burnt out. I've been doing it for so long. It's nice to be passionate about it. So. Is that your plan? Is to transition into MMA? It's been something I'm looking at um, for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I, I've never w- wanted to. Uh, to shy away from anything, and, and years ago when people were kind of telling me, you know, oh, you you know, you've won a couple uh, amateur world titles, just just call it quits there, and and then I went, no, 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 you all want to see if I can if I can do the the, the, the whole pro thing, and then you, you do win a couple pro fights, and people are like, oh, that's enough, you know, just go back to school, and like, ah, oh, I want to see if I can get into K1, and um, I always feel like if I didn't push myself, I'd, I'd really regret it, so I've been looking at MMA, and, and just thinking, like, if I don't try it, um, I think I'll regret it. And then number two is the uh, the financial uh, aspect. You know, the MMA fighters do complain about uh, not getting paid enough, but they're making making a lot more than uh, kickboxers. So even in glory, yeah. Oh wow, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. If you look at the, the UFC or Bellator, uh, you see what the champions are making. I'm just I'm going, oh man, I, I want to be making that. What, the, <laughs> what those guys are making, so. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of reasons there to to look at uh, different options, but uh, I still do love kickboxing. So, you know, and I realized that uh, kickboxing is such a small component of MMA, and I would have so much to add in uh, to become a, a you know a skilled MMA fighter. But I'm working at it. So, Where okay. are you training now? My trainings have been really odd. You know, people ask me, uh, oh, can I come and train with you? What gym are you at? And I just I just uh, do a lot of my training not on my own, but on my own with one training partner. So I'll have my brother come in and he'll hold for me and we'll drill for whichever opponent I'm fighting. Or same thing with my other pad holder. Or if it's a sparring day, I'll meet up with one, usually one guy and we'll just spar together. Um, a lot of my training is done on a one-on-one basis. I don't attend classes and I haven't done that for uh, probably five or six years. Um, so um, yeah, my, my kickboxing training is always done like that. And uh, jiu-jitsu, there's a guy in town who uh, has competed at uh, Eddie Bravo Invitationals and uh, won a, uh, some jiu-jitsu stuff around the world. Uh, I can't remember what the organization is, but uh, his name is Matt Kaiser, and he uh, trains out of uh, his own little spot in, in town here in one of the back rooms in a, little, in a gym that uh, I'm at all the time. So I go and roll with his guys and him. Um, 
and and he's just so technical and it's just been such a an exciting thing to to not be at sort of the top of the barrel go in and get beat up by other guys <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of fun how many fights have you had with glory oh gosh um maybe not eight or nine or ten okay so cup three uh, three a year kind of thing yeah have, have all your pro fights been with glory no, no, okay. I um, I actually contacted Glory uh, for a long time when I first heard that they were developing their organization, and you know at that point it's just like, well, who they're probably thinking, who is this guy, this, this Canadian uh, that we don't know who he is? Why would we bother with him? And uh, I had about I want to say seven, about maybe seven pro fights um, oh. before I got uh, before I got in with K1, uh, and it was down at K1 Rising in uh, Los Angeles and that uh, fought Lord Zilla and that was sort of my first sort of breakout fight where after that uh, then Glory started uh, responding to to our emails and and uh, then eventually ended up signing us but uh, yeah it was uh, slow going getting in contact with those guys when, when you don't have any connections and you're, you know you're sending them emails and they're probably just they probably get so many emails from, from everybody wanting to be with them so oh yeah well you yeah, can click right on their on their website and go new new fighter and then fill out the application and send it in or whatever yeah and i did that a long time ago i mean with with k1 and uh and glory and you know it's just one of those things you, I, you don't know when you don't have a big team that like, you know you're not going over their golden glory which was the big big gym in the past you know they had i believe four out of eight fighters in uh, the world grand prix in maybe 2008 or something so if you're not going over to one of those gyms where they have contacts uh, directly to the, the the head guys at Glory or K1, it's it's a tough uh, tough job to get in contact with those guys and to get them to even look at you. So, I lucked out with John Franklin's email, so I sent him one. <laughs> there you go. But he yeah. just forwarded it on, and then I never heard back. So I don't know. We'll see how it yeah. happens. Yeah. Is your brother still fighting or no? I have two brothers. Uh, the one who's in my corner, he doesn't compete. He hasn't for uh, years now. I, I want to say maybe 2007 or something. At that point, he was amateur, uh, 10 and 0. And he's just uh, a school maniac. He, he just excels at school. I've always been decent at school, but he's the guy who uh, gets his report cards back from uh, university and just A pluses, A's right across the board, <laughs> like top 5% of the province. And I guess he just... You know, I, I decided I had to make a choice. Is it school or fighting? It's hard to do both, I think, uh, if you're going to commit to something. And I went the fight way, and, and he decided to go the school way. So, yeah, he's uh, prepping up to try and become a doctor now, um, which is going to be another long process. And and then my other brother uh, is moving to Ontario in, uh, in about a week now to uh, try and uh, qualify for the Olympics in uh, boxing. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's always been a big part of my training as well. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, too bad to have him at the other side of uh, of the country. But you know, he got to follow uh, his goal of uh, getting the Olympics. So now the boxer brothers in your corner, or the doctor brothers in your corner? The the future doctor. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, then who cares about the boxer leaving? Yeah, I mean the the boxer. He's he's actually seven years younger than me. And uh, when we first started uh, training together years and years ago, he was doing kickboxing, and and he was really good back then. And then he kind of lost his taste for for it for a while. Took a couple of years off. Uh, ended up going to Mexico and a number of spots to train, and, and started getting pretty good at boxing. And, uh, and then went and trained in Ontario with uh, Lennox Lewis's former amateur coach, the guy who uh, got him his gold medal. So he went there for a year, came back, and you know I used to be able to get the better of him even in boxing, even though he, he has his more fights than I do now because he can fight really frequently in bo- amateur boxing. But yeah. yeah, he came back, his style changed, and he's just one of the, just one of those guys now. I just I can't touch him with his new amateur style. It's just he's so evasive and so efficient with what he does and. He's about 20 pounds more than me, so he hits harder than I've ever been hit before, even harder than uh, <laughs> than uh, than Robin. And yeah, I mean, he's been a really good uh, training partner for me as well. So yeah, it's kind of a good uh, a good family group for uh, for training for me. That's neat. I remember back in the day when I lived in Victoria, the oh, the kickboxing was all. Oh, have you heard of the Varga brothers? So I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, who the fuck hasn't heard of them? But it's cool to see that you took it this far. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, the the big thing in uh, Canada always before, which always bugged me, was you know people saying Canadians can't can't kickbox or you know North Americans. You know, we'd have guys come over from uh, 
from Holland and or uh, Europe and they do seminars and and I remember our coach asking him like why are you guys so good and he's just like oh we just train hard North Americans are lazy and I just remember thinking oh that's a slap in the face North Americans are not lazy not everybody I mean you know there's yeah. lots of high level athletes in every avenue just kickboxers had, didn't get the chance you know nobody was inviting North Americans over to compete so it's cheaper been, to fly Europeans. Oh, it is. <laughs> of course. I've had so many times now where people have said, oh, do you want to come and fight over in Europe for this title or that title? Or, you know, I had a, a title, WKN, and I went and won it because we flew a guy in from Europe here, and I, and I won the title, and they kept saying, we're going to fly you out, we're going to fly you out. And then every time it came, came uh, time for them to pay the airfare for me, they're just like, ah, no. <laughs> so I don't even know if I hold that title anymore. I, I won it. Never, never defended it because nobody wanted to fly me out or nobody wanted to challenge me and yeah it just, it's it's kind of odd uh, i like uh, i like fighting the europeans and uh and getting wins against them yeah were you in town uh just recently for jason heights kickboxing card that he had i was actually sick that weekend i think um they had a boxing event a week before that I was at that and i was planning on going because the guy who was the main event there is one of my uh, my main sparring partners um, and I was helping him prep up for that fight, doing some sparring with him for a few weeks before, and, and ended up missing it, unfortunately. What but was I, the date of that card? It was the one that uh, the Arashido fought on. Oh, Chris McMillan. Yes. Yeah, Chris, okay. I was the guy I was actually uh, helping train, usually spars with, spars with me, I was helping him train for Chris. Oh, uh, Chris beat so, him. Chris beat him, yeah. So yeah. I was uh, in the gym with, uh, the guy's name is Greg. And uh, I was in the gym about two or three times a week for a couple of weeks before, just trying to mimic Chris. Because, um, uh, you know, I looked up a couple of videos, and then uh, one of my buddies in town who used to train as well fought Chris uh, years ago. Um, so, yeah, I would just, just go in and inspire a little bit more Thai style and throw lots of, lots of body round kicks. And yeah, Chris is good. Yeah, I heard, I heard uh, he did a good job because the guy here is, uh, is tough and gritty and, and good cardio and... Uh, it just sound like uh, his round kicks just out-timed, uh, out-timed Greg, so... He kicks yeah. hard. Uh, <laughs> I would assume. It sounded like he was a little bit, just a little bit red in the ribs there. <laughs> but, no, I always like to try and go in and uh, show up at the amateur cards. Um, yeah. 2017's coming up. What's coming up for you in 2017? So, it's been a bit of a, a, bit of a mystery even on my side, just because, like I said, we're... <coughs> Working on the uh, the gory contract and going to see what's happened uh, happening with that. Um, I'm I'm going to say the first fight though will be kickboxing for me. I'll be getting back in the ring in March or April. That's my goal. Um, that, that give me a nice break uh, over Christmas and then time to prep up. Uh, you know, I have a few a few seminars uh, in January. Um, just uh, one in Regina and one in Grand Prairie. So going to scoot off and, and do those and I really don't like training when I'm doing seminars so just going to go over there and, and take early January off and then uh, hopefully get back into uh, training camp in February and March and I don't know where I'll, be, where I'll be fighting you know it could be anywhere in the world and could be for anybody so yeah I, all, all I know now is uh, you know in the past this would have stressed me out and I would be going oh I don't know who I'm fighting for or what, what contract's going to be thrown at me but but now it's nice, you know, I've built up my name, I have lots of offers. Um, it's just honestly now just waiting to see who uh, who will offer the best purse. That and what, what makes the most sense? That, that is now, you know, right? I mean, I've been doing it for, for uh, professionally since uh, gosh, 2009 uh, and fighting since 2006, uh, just in, in the ring in general. So it's been a long time and now it's just, you know, you gotta make some money and, um, not make it just a hobby anymore. Make it a, a, a career. Even is this your? A, sorry, Gabriel. Is this your full career? Is this all you do? This is. Uh, I also teach martial arts for kids. Uh, okay. I've had a program that I've been running for years and years, and I had lots of parents uh, a little concerned when I started winning the, uh, doing really well. They were, like, oh, they were asking me, "Oh, are you going to stop teaching?" And um, you know, you're you're a big name now, or we're going to really miss you. And I said, "No, no, I'm not going to stop teaching. I've been doing it since I was." You know, 14 years old, and and I have a really great group of kids, and um, and, I, and I love it. It's a distraction. Uh, you know, when I have fights coming up, and yeah, I just it's not a full time job. I only teach five classes a week. I have two programs with about uh, I don't know 50, 60 kids, but that's uh, that's the other part time thing that I do. So the two really work uh, well together. And then you know, with some seminars added in, uh, yeah, it keeps me busy enough. 
And it's a kid's <laughs> kickboxing class? It's kickboxing and, and some martial arts. You know, I don't uh, I don't like to label it as kickboxing yeah. because if I if I do that, a lot of parents get concerned right away. Oh, I don't want my kid in kickboxing, and you know, I don't obviously have kids going in there with headgear and and sixteen ounce gloves beating on each other. We just I just <laughs> have them. Yeah, I have them doing more martial arts aspect. You know, I, I, yeah. I have a background in uh, aikido and jujitsu. Not not enough that I would want to be teaching it to anybody. Uh, High, any high-level adults, but enough that you know kids who have been training for a year or two, I can teach them Aikido rolls and wrist locks and the jujitsu. I can teach them the basic escapes from mountain guard. And, uh, so we do a little bit of everything with them, just just trying to make them better athletes. And uh, yeah, just, just any sport they they pursue in the future, they'll they'll be a better athlete because of martial arts. What's That's the date cool. of the seminar in Regina? Oh, uh, that one's January. 14th and 15th, I think, whatever that, that weekend is there. What's well, a two-day? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be coming in, I believe, on a Friday, do uh, a, a Saturday uh, <laughs> seminar. They're probably going to be doing a couple couple different classes, and then I think something for the advanced uh, students on, on Sunday morning before I leave quickly. So, What school is it at? Oh, gosh, uh, that one. Uh, I remember the name of that one now. Hi. Shoot, I'd have to look that up for you. <laughs> yeah. I remember who I've been talking to, and then I'm trying to remember the name of the dojo, but I can't. It's not Brian Parks, is it? No, no, okay. it's not. Will there be? Is it? Is there like a website where anybody can find that? Um, I will be posting it on my uh, my Facebook page. Uh, yeah, Gabriel Varga official. Uh, I keep everybody sort of up to date on that, and then uh, and then have a new website up as well. It's also GabrielVargaOfficial.com. So yeah. yeah, there's usually the the information on there. Um, yeah, I think I, you know, I've done a lot of seminars, and there's not even usually too too much promotion because usually just between the, the gym. Um, yeah, they just sell it. It's usually sold out. It's usually oh, we can't really fit any more people in here. <laughs> What's um, the date of the GP one? Uh, that's the week after. Uh, it's going to be just uh, a flight out, flight back, week off, and then straight right up to Grand Prairie on the 21st, I guess. Uh, oh, that's going to be cold. <sighs> yeah, that's what everybody said. Like, you picked terrible time, and I and I just told them like, well, I'm not doing that much. I'm just. You know, getting on the airplane, going to the hotel, <laughs> just driving. I'm not going outside. I'm not snowshoeing or anything. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I've lived up in uh, in Smithers and Terrace up north before. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do have a little a bit of experience. I'm not not Ooh. in Victoria my whole life. <laughs> Victoria's nice for that. Just for the, the the there's no cold. No. Well, I mean, it feels cold right now for me. It's like, oh, it's it's a, a degree or two out. Oh my gosh, it's so cold. But no, yeah, it doesn't freeze. Very you guys got some early. snow this year, though, right? A little bit. Yeah. Definitely Nothing not. terrible. No, no. Everybody's, uh, oh my gosh, we've got a centimeter of snow. Everything shuts down. And, uh, <laughs> you don't, got, you over Christmas, oh. it snowed like eight inches. Oh, yeah, it was bad. I was just up in Saskatchewan for Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> Anywhere in Canada. And it's, it's always funny when you go on these big trips and, uh, you know, we're off with all the European guys or whichever other spot, you know, over in Dubai and people are interviewing you and, they're asking you where you're from, and I go Canada, and all the the stereotypes that you get hit with, you know. Oh, do you guys put maple syrup on everything? And oh, I haven't got the igloo one yet, but there's definitely the questions about snow all year round. Do you guys have any green? Is there snow all year round? I'm going, come on, guys. Like, Especially now with the internet, you can like oh, look yeah. this stuff up and find out. Yeah, that's a, I feel like that's half my job now. Just be like, I'm from Victoria. There's no. No snow here. <laughs> not all Canada is covered in snow. Just like educate people a little bit that not everybody's covered. Yeah, up. you live in the only spot that doesn't get snow. Yeah, I know, but it just everybody seems to be asking me like, is there snow all around? No. <coughs> You're not originally from Victoria, though, right? You're originally from Toronto. Yeah, so I was born in Toronto. I've moved around a, a whole lot. My dad just uh, had us on the go from here to there, just because of. Uh, Selling homes and and going to uh, you know sell sell on a strong market, move to a weak market. Uh, we did yeah. that Toronto to Vancouver, and then we ended up uh, going uh, to Victoria and then back to uh, Toronto because you know Victoria shot up and everything was worth a lot, and Ontario plummeted. So uh, he did that, and then we ended up going on a big trip, uh, sort of around the world: Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, uh, oh, wow. Fiji. We just did a uh, seven months when I was younger, and then. Uh, Ended up uh, up in the north because he's a helicopter pilot, so we were up in uh, Smith Smithers and Terrace, and then uh, we've been back in Victoria now for uh, 16 years. So, 
So where did you start kickboxing then? In Toronto? No, I started... Uh, I've been all over. But I started actually training with my dad. I think he was probably the first guy who ever started. Uh, my brother and I just, just hitting a bag. We had a, a bag hanging off the, a tree in our backyard when we, when we actually lived in Victoria. I remember that. I think it must have been like... Uh, maybe six or seven at that point. And I remember we'd go out a couple times a week and learn front kicks and punching and he had our gloves on us. And and then we uh, started at a karate dojo and we focused on karate for a number of years uh, until probably I was about uh, about 12. I think we ended up uh, up in Smithers. And of all places, it's such a small little town, you know, uh, 5,000 people, uh, you know, but mostly, I'm not even sure what the, um, well, most people did up there to make their living but was a, I don't know, I think it was a logging town or anything like that but I just remember there's a beautiful ski hill and um, we were homeschooled at that point because we'd moved around so much so we'd basically go up uh, go skiing in the uh, in the morning uh, come back home we'd uh, do a bunch of school work with us and then we'd, we'd head to our uh, karate dojo it was actually more like uh, light contact continuous uh, kickboxing Mm-hmm. So that was sort of our first transition into kickboxing, and I would train uh, usually three or four hours a night there, do two classes back to back, six days a week, and uh, that was sort of my first uh, first time I started competing in tournaments in kickboxing style. But it was very light contact, just fast pitter patter shots. And then when we moved to Victoria, uh, I started down at Petrex, and I was there for probably about a decade and and really started into the kickboxing then but was still still doing karate uh, yeah so it's, it's just been a, a whole bunch of different martial arts and just a very gradual transition into kickboxing you know started at uh, with point fighting karate and then kind of into light contact uh, kickboxing really fast pace and then we kind of moved into full contact but no head but no head targeting with the hands and it was just a throughout about uh, probably seven, eight years where I transitioned from karate to the full contact in the ring stuff. Mm-hmm. So. You mentioned Stan Pe- uh, Pederek. Yeah. Do you have any interesting stories of Stan? I know Stan a little bit. He's kind of crazy. He's <laughs> super crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was there for, for years and years, and um, my dad told me a long time ago, um, if you don't have anything nice to say about any, somebody, don't say anything at all. So I don't like <laughs> I, I don't like saying bad stuff about people. You know, um, I, I will say he was a, he was a great coach at the time. Um, you know, he took me from being a, a light contact pitter patter sort of fighter um, with with lots of skills and and uh, and great potential. But he built me up to a really solid amateur fighter with with, with some more power and uh, and the ability to defend myself properly in the ring and. Um, that was all him in the early years there. Mm. Uh, you know, I had other people here and there who were helping me, but he was the main coach for years and years, and uh, and he's great. At, I still recommend people to go to him um, if they're looking for somewhere in town to train. You know, he's he's the guy. Uh, well, until I open my gym, hopefully, <laughs> he's the guy that I recommend right now. Um, and you know, I just I just reached the point where um, I'd been there for a decade, and and you know, I was running so many of the classes myself. Um, and there was nobody there helping me anymore. And all the training, the, the effective training that I was doing was with, with the guys who helped me now. They were the guys coming in holding pads for me. Um, and just at some point, I realized that, you know what, I'm, I'm just better off going out on my own. You know, I'm yeah. going to the same classes, been doing the same thing for a decade here. It's time to, uh, to move on and, and uh, just go and do my own thing. I was learning most of my own um, everything I was learning new was from watching fights mm-hmm. and people ask me all the time like how do I get better what do I do to get to your level and I just said you know honestly it was just in, in hindsight a lot of research really I mean just watching fights watching guys like Andy Sauer and Bacow and and seeing something they do in the ring and then just going and implementing it in the class it's like okay guys in this class we're going to work on what Bacow did last week and just bit by bit you sort of build a, an arsenal that gets larger and larger and um, that's just where I felt like I really, really got good there. Uh, watching those guys, you know, watching mm-hmm. every event, watching a number of fights a day, and um, yeah, it was great being at that gym. And you know, every everybody uh, in the kickboxing world seems to have some sort of uh, they have their ups and downs. Some guys are, are just great trainers, and uh, they have other problems. So you know, I just I like to kind of uh, convey a, a wholesome uh, martial art attitude. Um, 
you know, I, I don't drink, I don't, I've never smoked, I, I, I don't get into fights on the street. Uh, that's the image that I want to portray because that's who I am. Yeah. And, uh, and being at that gym, it just, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the gym to be at if I wanted to portray that. So, you know, I still recommend it for people. If you want to learn from one of the best guys, best coaches, he, he's one of the guys to go to. But but Stan was a fantastic fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, just at some point, uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a gamble at that point. I was like, ah, you know, I'm going out on my own. I don't have an actual trainer anymore. Although I didn't feel like I'd had a trainer for a couple of years at that point. Um, I was doing most of it on my own. But, yeah, it was a bit of a gamble to go out on my own. But it ended up uh, working out. You know, I, uh, my brother has, has been there. He's younger brother, so it kind of threw him under the uh, under the bus there a bit. Like, okay, you're the younger brother, and now you have to help me. It should usually be the other way around, I would think. The older brother kind of helps the younger one, but um, yeah, you know, it, it worked out well. Well, you've had a fantastic career, so you did something right. Yeah, it's just it's just been <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of hard work. You know, the the big thing that I'm I'm looking for as well this year to add in is um, I've been had so many people ask me about getting a, uh, some sort of avenue for people to to understand what I've done. Um, to be successful and of course there's a number of reasons but I, re I really like sharing stuff with people and if mm -hmm. somebody sends me a message on, on Facebook or something like what do you do for your ab workout or what do you do for running I'll take the time and write them back a big massive massive letter so they understand and, and can utilize that because it was so hard before to find you know I'd be watching Bacow, be watching Masato, these, these top fighters and I wanted to know exactly what they were doing for training and you just can't find it because it's a different language and there's no yeah. there's no way to, to message them up. So I'm just looking forward this year. I'm going to try and get a YouTube channel started uh, hopefully up in January. And uh, people, you know, want to know about running. I can lay out my, my basic uh, running routines there. People can go, okay, this is, this is what I can do and um, this is what Gabriel does. So I'm going to work my way up. I'll just talk about taking little steps bit by bit and moving up and then... Uh, you know, just try and put up a video every couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not a big a big tech guy, so it's never my forte. But fortunately, my wife uh, really pushes me to do all that and, and likes to likes to be there and take over all my all, all that kind of stuff. She'll do it for me. So oh, ten is like my wife for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have somebody. Be, you know, if you're passionate about it, but you're not passionate about technology the way that some people are, it's it's good to have uh, somewhere to meet in the middle. Yeah. What what does your wife do? Like, does she work, or do you guys have kids? No, no, no. Um, she is a nurse. Is her, I think she, I always forget now. A clinical nurse specialist. So she's huh. she's a specialized nurse, but she's actually um, trying to become a dentist right now. So she's uh, just waiting to see if she gets uh, uh, to the interview stage of dental application. So yeah, we've just been it's been good. You know, she I do all my fight stuff and. Uh, and she's working away, and then hopefully this year she'll uh, be heading off to Vancouver for four years for uh, for dentistry. So I'll, I'll keep trucking away on the on, on all the fighting. Hopefully over the next uh, three or four years, and uh, that'll keep me busy while she's over there working away at, uh, at that sort of thing. So um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting when she's over there. You know, with a little bit of separation, it's about a two-hour ferry ride away, um, so I won't get to see her quite as often. And when training camp happens. Uh, can't be over in Vancouver all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely no kids right now because uh, you know I hear some fighters say that having kids is one of the most motivational things ever. But <laughs> I see it could be a lot of extra stress if you're not already making and making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so I yeah. Gotta gotta not only win this fight because I want to, but I gotta win it so I can put food on the table for the kids. And I'm just going, oh no, I don't don't really want that. But yeah. She has to finish all her uh, her dentistry stuff before we would have kids anyway. So that yeah. gives her lots of time. There's You're some not good very gyms old in Vancouver. Anyway. Sorry, I heard two things. Vancouver. Sorry, there's some good gyms in Vancouver. There are well, one I go over to quite often is um, WKX. Uh, Josh yeah. Johnson trains there. Um, unfortunately, he comes here sometimes. I go there sometimes, but with the ferry, it's a bit of a trek. You know, you got to drive up to the ferry. There goes, uh, you know, an hour. By the time you drive up and wait. Maybe even a longer, and then there's you know the two-hour ride over, and then you gotta get get to the gym. And aside from the money factor, it takes up your whole day. Yeah. Um, so we do try to get over to spar with each other when we both have training camps, but it doesn't happen on a weekly basis. Usually, you know, if we see each other two or three times in training camp, that's that's pretty average. Um, you know, I, I put in the extra time uh, back when I fought for my title the first time. Uh, 
I was over there every week, trying to go twice a week sometimes. But yeah, just financially, you you can just drop a thousand dollars right away. It's just, expensive. Just, oh yeah, just on ferry, just on ferry plus the time, and you know I miss classes that I need to be teaching, and somebody else has to take over. So um, you know, if I'm over there already, that's great. Um, I'll take advantage of going to his gym, and I haven't haven't ventured out too much uh, to the other gyms actually. You know, I'm sure there are lots of good people, but when you have another glory fighter who, who's that close by, why not go to him? Yeah. Well, if you're kickboxing and you're in Vancouver, WKX is the place to go. Yeah, you know, they just they have a good group, and you know, I don't even really train with that many guys aside from Josh. You know, I do the occasional round here or there, but but he's a skilled fighter. Um, it's perfect for me because he's a weight class up, so it just gives me that extra bit of a, a bit of a push uh, in the size differential and. Uh, he's an athletic guy. He's, he's super athletic. You know, if people don't know or they haven't seen him. He, he can do the capoeira, flipping all around, and this and that. You don't do that kind of stuff if you're not an athletic guy. Yeah, he can get his knee up to your head level, no problem. The people see <laughs> that in his fights. He's just he, he's super flexible, super explosive. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I do kind of wish I could spar with them. You know, three times a week, every week, but yeah. They also spar harder than I like, and I've been trying to minimize over the last number of years the amount of impact that I take just because you hear about the damage issues with people, and, um, you know, I've been trying to, to minimize that, so I've been sparring lighter, sparring much less frequently over the last couple of years, um, so when I do spar with him once in a while, I'm like, whoa, wow, that's what it's like to get hit again. <laughs> I think I sparred two or three times for the last fight in December. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't do it either. Yeah, once you have the the timing down, which you can do in pad work, but once those people, you know, once you develop into a high level uh, kickboxer, I don't know how essential it is. Um, I did feel like in my last fight against Robin that maybe some some really hard sparring might have helped, just just for uh, you know learning just to set the weight down a little bit more, get used to those hard shots, get used to the uh, the extra impact that he was going to give. So. My dad was telling me the other day, he's like, in the rematch, I'm going to be in there and I'm going to be yelling at you as you do your, your hard 10 rounds in a row with guys who are beating on you. Yeah. He said, if you want to fight Robin again, you have to do that. You can't, can't cut corners. And, you know, some fighters, like for Adam Chuck and, uh, yeah, mostly for Adam Chuck there and the uh, other fight in China I had, I was easing back on this bar and just everything light. But if you're fighting a guy who hits hard and is a brawler, it is probably a good idea to get some, some hard rounds and just so your body's prepared for it. So, well, the last guy you thought, he was throwing bombs. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, you're, you're fighting a guy who who come who came from weight class down. He's a hard hitter at that 155 weight class, and then you're at 143. Um, yeah, he hits hard at any weight there that he's fighting at, but especially with me, you know, I'm, I'm not used to getting hit that hard, and he's used to getting harder than everybody hits. So I was hitting him with some shots that normally I, I, I hit people, and I see them back off. I yeah. see I see the intensity in their eyes fade and I can I can go, okay, now I can pick it up and, and they're you know, I'm going up and they're going down and with him I'd hit him and it was the opposite. I'd kinda of go, Oh shoot, that didn't hurt him and he'd keep coming and I just Whoa. he'd start taking the advantage. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah you front kicked him in the face a couple times and he just backed up and just <laughs> bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah, just you know, when you're used to getting hit by 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 that upper weight class, I, I would suspect that uh, you know getting hit right now is not a big concern for him at 143. Like, of course, a clean shot, anybody can go down, but you know, the front kicks to the face. If I land a couple of those, I usually see people start to start to shell up a little more or shy away a bit. And, you know, he was bleeding and he didn't care, and that's that's the point that we reached where we just went. You know what? This guy does not care about the shots I'm hitting him, I'm hitting him with, so uh, that, that's a dangerous point. And I've never had that before. So when you're getting ready for these fights, are you sitting down and watching tape and coming up with a game plan, or are you just going in there and doing your thing? I like to watch. Um, yeah. Everybody has their own strategy, and, and whatever works for you works for you. You know, I fought Adam Chuck uh, and heard something about him, and he said he never watches. He doesn't prepare at all. He just has his fight. <laughs> and that's great, you know, if you can do that, that's amazing. You know, you're so good at what you do. You just go in and you do it and you don't care. But I like to uh, to know, number one, what the guy is best at and what he's worst at. And then basically we kind of try and build a game plan around that. You know, if he's really weak in the body, obviously we're going to attack the body a little bit more. Um, if he's really good at low kicks, I need to have my low kick conditioning up and, and be ready to check a lot. 
that's generally how we sort of structure our training camp and, and how each one differs from the last. So we never do the exact same thing over and over. Plus it gets really repetitive, I find just, you know, it's already repetitive. You know, you go in, yeah. you do your three rounds of skipping, your three rounds of shadow, your bag work, your this, your that. If you do all the same drills too, it just, it seems to me like it would be mind numbing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like to switch stuff up a lot. Like I'll switch two weeks, I'll do something. And then the next two weeks I'll pick something else just cause it, could, it does get boring. Yeah, it's just it's very repetitive. It's just like anything in life, you know. If you do the same job, no matter how exciting it is, it's gonna get repetitive. Yeah. So I mean, I do the same thing with running. I, I you know when I get my YouTube channel down, I'm gonna show people really general, basic runs that I do that they can replicate anywhere. But I very rarely do the same run twice and twice and even two weeks. You know, I have about 20 different runs that I do, and once I go and do a run. I, I push myself so hard that I hate that run as soon as I finish. I don't even want to. I don't even want to come back in a week later and be like, "Ah, oh, I just did it a week ago and it was so bad." And you remember that feeling, and that feeling in itself is enough to scare me before I get to my running point. So I just switch it up all over, yeah. all the time. Just you know, I go here, there, there throughout the city. If I'm going to get on the treadmill, I'm doing different runs. I I, I hate routine, and that was one of my big problems with Thailand. Great training over there. But it's so repetitive, you know. You run the exact same, the exact same course every day. No different speed, no different anything. And I was just going, oh gosh, just give me, give me a bit of change. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you have you ever had any full Muay Thai fights? I haven't had any. I've trained for a couple, and unfortunately, uh, they all fell through. One one fell through uh, over in New Jersey. I was going to fight Justin Grzewicz, um for a second time. Uh, with full full rules, and uh, he happened to get staff. I was out there, I'd, I'd uh, two hours away from from stepping on the scale, and they went. They came to me and said, "Sorry, fights off. He's got uh, he's got staff." So, yeah, you know, it's been uh, a little disappointing. But I was never that that keen in, uh, to get full into Muay Thai anyway, just because of all the uh, the elbows and how easy yeah. it is to, to finish a fight with a cut. I just I never liked that aspect of it, really. You know. Uh, elbows are, are great, and I understand there's a, you know, a crazy science behind them. But you know, a guy touches you with one little elbow after you've been beating on him, and ooh, fight's done. Yeah. Of a cut, so. We had John Wayne Parr on a couple weeks ago. That's awesome. And we were talking to him, and and I like I've I've had 34 fights, and they've all been kickboxing or modified, yep. right? Like, uh, but never full Muay And he's like, oh, so you're still a little kid? He's like, what? He says, <laughs> you don't get your man card until you fight full Muay <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it's so funny how um, I can't remember what we were just talking about. I was up on a family vacation. We were talking about how it was a completely different subject, but basically how everybody thinks that their sport is is better than the other because of. So it kind of goes, you know, kickboxing. You're not throwing elbows. All right, you're missing the elbow. That's not real. And then the MMA guys will say, "Oh, sure, you're throwing elbows, but you're not going down to the ground. So, like, come join us here up at the real thing." And then the boxers will go, "Well, you guys are throwing all those pansy things, like no elbows, no kicks. Get in there and do the, the real thing. Just throw hands. Like that's what men do." And everybody has their own reason why their sport's the best. I don't really think one's better than the other. I just go, no. "You know what? They're all hard. It's, it's difficult to get in the ring, no matter what you do, no matter what the rules are." Um, you know, find what you like and, and try and excel at it. But I'm not going to go and tell somebody like, oh, you know, you're you're only throwing hands. You're you're a pansy. Like, come in here and throw some kicks, because they respect anybody who can get in the ring. So, well, yeah, and a different set of rules. I mean, guys are still getting dropped in every one of those sports because they're they're all badass. It was just funny talking to him though because he you know runs his own promotion there in in Australia, right? Cage Muay Thai and like. That's pretty badass, though. Little oh, gloves, full Muay Thai, in a cage, no messing around on the ground, just guys bleeding everywhere. No, that, that's crazy. And I've never even, like most promotions in the past, I'd contacted them and asked them, like, oh, would you be interested in having me out? And as soon as I heard about that, I went, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Why would I do that? You know, are you going to pay me like 100 grand to fight? Because if not, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just go and do full MMA. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just to, to stand in there and and fight with just four ounce gloves and it's only striking, like oh, that sounds that sounds savage. Yeah. And even my last fight, uh, people have probably noticed if you're an avid Glory fan, the gloves are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> and they went initially from uh, Leon, 
uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, an Italian glove, and they ended up switching to Hayabusa. And Hayabusa at first had these these very puffy, nice gloves, but very puffy. And apparently the the KOs, the KO ratio was just dropping. I think oh. they said something like there was two or three knockouts in an event for for a couple events. And you know, Gloria always says they're the highest knockout ratio of any combat sport. Um, and so then I noticed I went to uh, to a second fight using these high boosted gloves. I'm like, oh, these are smaller and these are tighter. And then when I fought Adam Chuck in um, Virginia, I was like, wow, these are small and these are hard. Like yeah. these are the smallest I've ever fought. And then when I was in Denver recently fighting Adam Chuck, I, I have these gloves here and they're so small. Even putting them on without wraps is is tight. And I'm just I remember putting them on uh, backstage and both my training partners were shoving the gloves onto my hand and I was pushing the opposite direction to get them in. And if you just went like this, or you squeeze the, the, the glove, it's just like a little cardboard padding. There's hardly anything there. Wow. They feel like, you know, they're eight ounce gloves, but they oh, feel yeah, like they could that, easily... That's yeah, eight ounce gloves, and they feel like they could easily be six, like the size of them look tiny. But to, to me, I was going, wow, why am I fighting in these tiny little gloves? This is, this is crazy. Like, you don't have to hit somebody very hard to put them down. And then I hear about, you know, Something like that. You, I'm assuming they're four ounce. Yeah, they are. They're four ounce gloves. Four ounce MMA gloves. I'm just going, wow. <laughs> the thing Ridiculous. is, though, is like, I mean, a boxing glove or an MMA glove, I mean, the, the amount of padding over your knuckle on a four ounce glove is almost the same as a boxing glove. All the weight is on the on the top of the hand and the wrist. That is true, I guess. I mean, I've never actually put on one of those UFC gloves. Um, somebody at Jiu Jitsu the other day had one, and it just looked incredibly thin. And I don't know if they were legitimate ones, like, you know, regulation, but I feel like the other gloves that I train in are at least a little thicker, um, but I I would just imagine you'd be able to feel the knuckles so easy through them. I don't think that the actual impact is any different, but they get through easier, right? Because your hand, like I fought in MMA twice and, and, and I didn't like the gloves either because I'm used to blocking, but with an MMA glove, it doesn't cover anything, so you can still get through the your guard yeah you're definitely not you're definitely not going to shell up the same way that you normally would that's for no, sure no because they see an mma they have a lot better head movement and they're picking off shots with their hands a lot more than uh, than you need to you know guys in glory especially the guys from holland they just sometimes wrap their hands to their forehead and they just leave them there for the fight and they can block pretty much everything doing that yeah uh, change just it out. take one and bomb take yeah. one and bomb exactly you seem like a pretty respectful guy and like you're not going to call anybody out but if you could pick a fight, what would it be? Hmm. You know, it's, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, who's the person you want to fight the most? And it's always difficult for me because basically what I'm trying to accomplish is to try and build my name and try and build kickboxing within Canada. So I just kind of look like, who's the, the person who's going to help me do that the most? And after I won the title uh, back from uh, back in July against Adam Chuck, they were they were asking me like, "Oh, you want to fight again soon?" And I was saying, "Well, can you get me a fight against Sanchai? You know, he's in glory now. Um, he's amazing. He's an amazing Muay Thai fighter. Would I want to fight him in Muay Thai? And would I be able to beat him? Probably not. Um, in kickboxing, I've seen him compete in kickboxing. He's not the same. He's not the same athlete. It's a different sport." Um, so I've asked for him. I think he would be the biggest, uh, the biggest bump up for me in notoriety. Um, he's lost in the kickboxing ring, you know, not by much, but, but people can beat him there. Um, you know, you take away the games, you take away the, uh, the throws. Um, now he's just a striker. He's a striker with, with okay hands, with still great kicks, but you take away the throws and it's, it's a different game. So that's the guy that I've asked for. Um, just again, because, you know, beating Sanchai is is gonna is gonna help you get noticed more oh yeah so, it's not that I have anything against him I mean he's an amazing fighter and I'm not like oh I want to knock his head off it's just you know he's built his name up and uh, and he's the guy who's gonna help me the most you know fighting Amrani or Adam Chuck or any of the other guys in the glory uh, the glory rankings at featherweight they're not gonna do a whole lot for me um, beating Robin will so so he's there um, and then, of course, the other person that I've always had my eye on and I've been waiting for for years is Kevin Ross. Um, Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. He's at Bellator, so we'll see how all that plays out. But uh, yeah, with the contracts and such. But uh, Sanchai or, or Kevin Ross, they they still have very big names. They're still uh, 
they're still the guys to beat, and uh, I feel like I can beat both of them. So that's that. That would be the ideal fights for me in 2017. So to get the the Ross fight, you would have to sign with Bellator, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's always been that sort of. That's been the, the problem trying to create that fight. Uh, you know, I was in K1, and he wasn't signed for K1 at that point. And then, uh, and then I think he did sign with somebody over in I don't remember if it was K1 or some other promotion. And then I was in Glory, and then he was with Lion Fight. And there's just we've always been at different different sides. And that's always been sort of funny to me that that fight hasn't happened because, you know, he was the big name at one at 145 or 143 uh, when I was sort of coming up and then I was beating everybody beating everybody and people were saying oh that's that's a good fight that, that'll be an exciting fight and it's been a long time now and he's accomplished so much and, and I've uh, accomplished uh, what I wanted to um, so yeah it just you know it seems like it's a good fight for uh, for the North American fans yeah I feel like Glory is actually making kickboxing more of a North American sport before I would never watch it, and now I watch all the glory cards. They're awesome. Yeah, they're doing a good job. Um, you know, there's still avenues there where, as a fan and and a fighter, I've watched and being, you know, I've wanted to message them, and I have a couple of times and just said, you know, I, I know I'm not part of the promotion, uh, you know, outside of being a fighter, but here's my two cents. You know, you you need to do this, you need to do that. Uh, um, uh, one of the big things that I was really happy about before was they were doing those tournaments and it was very, very confusing. You know, there's an eight-man tournament, there's a four-man tournament for the belt. There's a single fight for the belt and it's just going well. And then they had two champions. They had a tournament champion and, and a single fight champion. Just going, this is too confusing for fans. You need one champion yeah. per weight class. Um, so I remember saying to my brother about three years ago, like, they should do four-man tournaments to qualify for a title shot, and you should have one champion who defends his belt with single fights, and that's what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, the big thing that I think they need to do now is, uh, you know, start, like you said, they need to start building in North America, and the way to build in North America, and I've heard John Wayne Parr say this, is you need to create interest in the fighters, not yeah. just within the ring, but outside the ring. Um, and that's done with, uh, with you know, 24-7 style videos or, or UFC embedded. And they've tried to do those, but not hard, not, not with enough success yet. You know, that John Wayne Parr said the same thing. He's like, I don't care about watching UFC until I watch one of these videos and you see the person's day-to-day -day life and you decide if you want them to win or lose. And then you'll watch the fight. And, and uh, Gloria is fantastic for the actual fights. They're always good, the events are exciting, yeah. but I'd say, you know, nine out of 10 times, people don't even know who they're watching. It's just, there's a couple of guys, there's Nikki Holtzkin, there's Rico, there's a few guys here and there who have established big names, but you don't know anything about their day-to-day -day life, who they are, the type of person they are, what they're hoping to accomplish, and, and that's when you really start creating uh, big fighters. Big well, you guys don't get the media either, like. Yeah. No. There's there's no telling your story outside of going in there and fighting. No, and and it can be done. You know, you just you need the the promotion to support you. I mean, same with UFC. If they didn't put money into getting the fighters out there, you know, getting in their face and, and showing what they're doing leading up to the fight and showing them on a on a you know in in their home, what are they up to? If they didn't do that, it'd be the same thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tune in for a UFC fight. I'd be like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a few guys I'd watch because they're amazing strikers, and aside from that, I really wouldn't care. But you know, but you're in the fight world, right? Like you understand it. I mean, we like watching Glory because we fight, and and that's the fan base where the UFC has like soccer moms wanting to get together and go watch the fight because they know all this other background stuff. That's it. Yeah, so that's you know the next step, and I've been waiting for for Glory to do something like that. You know, they've talked about uh, having a reality TV show. I've heard that thrown around a number of times. It'd probably be over in Asia somewhere, but still, you know, anything like that would just be great for building because they have the product now. They they have the fighters. I mean, they've always had. There's always been great kickboxers around, but now it's uh, not just don't get just the kickboxing fans. We need MMA fans who are interested. We need all the other martial arts that are interested, and then, like you said, we need people who aren't even martial artists who just know fighters, and that's how you build the sport. It's a long way away from that, but that's when everybody starts benefiting more. Yeah. The neat thing too with Bellator and and some of these smaller promotions, like I, I fought two out of my last three fights 
in Red Deer here on uh, Havoc, which is an MMA promotion. But because the owners are friends of mine, they, they got it sanctioned to do a K1 rules fight in the cage. But we had 10-ounce gloves on. And then the fans loved it. They got to see a kickboxing fight again. And now it's like they had two of two. them on the last uh, fight in December, two, two pro fights. And they're doing two or three more in, in June. Yeah. So it's, it's building up, you know, and people are seeing it then, so... Yeah, kickboxing is always exciting. I mean, there's just there's just not much downtime in the fight. You know, you're not getting the, you're not hitting the floor. People aren't sort of rolling their eyes, unless you're an average uh, average guy who's rolling every every day. You don't know half the stuff that's happening on the ground. Yeah. Even even myself, you know, I've been doing jujitsu on and off now for I don't know six months, and I have you know a couple of years from when I was younger of rolling. But still, when I watch on the ground, I'm going, oh, you know, I understand the general thing, but all the little subtle details, I'm probably missing. And Are you in a gi? We, I do both. I, I really don't like gi rolling. Uh, I wear my <laughs> gi for karate, but my brother and I used to joke at each other because we used to roll. I think it was probably back in like 1997, 98, maybe 99, we were doing jujitsu. And uh, and the game hadn't evolved very much then. It was just a really basic thing that we were doing. I mean, we go in now and he's showing me so many different ways and so many different chokes out of any, every position. I just feel like I need to know so much for each position. But... Yeah, back then we were doing the gi and, you know, constantly rubbing against the face. People yeah. trying to choke you out. We remember having the burns. And <laughs> when my brother and I got to sort of that stage where we were where we were competing on sort of the world amateur level, we would just say, you know, just just punch me in the face before you rub a gi on me. I'd rather just get punched in the face. The gi um, burn sucks. Oh, yeah. And so I do go, uh, I try to go three or four times a week to jiu-jitsu, uh, but I really don't... Uh, don't enjoy the wiki nights as much as soon as we're done uh, with the gi class and it's free rolling i just throw my gi off to the side yeah <laughs> but <laughs> you know i understand that it's important and you know you have to know a lot more for for the gi jiu-jitsu so it's i try probably to- why you can't put on that weight because you're wearing the gi so much it's oh. sweat and all <laughs> that stuff away. oh yeah it's, it's it's been fun you know it's uh it's just been so long and not that you can't learn more. You can always learn more. You can always get better. But so many years of kicking and punching and blocking and checking and all that sort of stuff. At some point, it's just fight camps now are just more about getting in shape and prepping up for an opponent. It's not really like, oh, let's learn something new. Oh, let's develop new technique. It's fun going in and, and being challenged. Uh, you know, having my brain rushing through techniques and, and making mistakes and um, yeah, it's just a new dynamic way to, to get back into something and I've enjoyed it. Sweet. Well, we're up at the hour mark. We won't keep you anymore. You're probably talking to us sucks. So. <laughs> oh, that's no, awesome, guys. I've enjoyed it. Uh, tell our fans and your fans where we can find you on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Like, not your address. Just no, no, don't give that <laughs> out. <social> media. <laughs> um, okay, so I have uh, my website, uh, .com. Uh On Facebook, it's Gabriel Varga official. Uh, Instagram, I believe, is uh, probably the same. Either Gabriel Varga official or G Varga official. My, my wife does a lot of that one, so I'm not on that too often, but uh, she just takes pictures and posts them for me. <laughs> and uh, I think Twitter is G Varga official. So, yeah, man, there's so many social media avenues now. <laughs> well, Keep up yeah. with them. Hey, quick question, too. When you talked about Twitter and social media, the the gym that you post with the boxing ring and your belts and you were hanging them up on the bag, where is that? Is that your gym that you train out of? I have two in town. Again, I always have. I have such a weird uh, training training regimen. It's just kind of go wherever. But I've had two gyms that have been super supportive. Uh, the first one that you just mentioned is the Studio for Athletics. When oh yeah. I, yeah. So when I left Pedrex, uh, I had already been training down there, and the one of the owners was. Uh, starting to get me into weightlifting. I'd never lifted a weight before, so he was doing privates with me just for fun and for free. And uh, he just mentioned, you know, we have this back room and it's free and if you guys want to use it for kickboxing ever, uh, let me know. So my dad ended up going to him and saying, can we put a ring in back there? Uh, we just went to the back room. Uh, my dad had all the, the stuff uh, that somebody built for him, I believe up uh, in Alberta somewhere actually. He was working up there as a helicopter pilot and somebody built, or we did some welding for him. So. Uh, we put the ring up there, um, and I've been training there now since 2009. You know, it's it's just go and use the ring. If there's other people on there doing their normal, they know they want to hit bags or something, it's fine. Uh, and then the other one is uh, called Forge, and it's more of a, a personal training gym. Um, but they also have a back room, and one of the owners is actually uh, 
the guy who fought Chris years ago, uh, Hal Chrysler. He's been training with me for years. He's from from Edmonton, so he's one of the owners. And then one of my other good friends is an owner, and uh, I go and use their back room there, and that's where the jujitsu classes are. And um, yeah, it's it's an offbeat training method uh, for somebody of my level, but uh, it, it works and and allows me to kind of train when I want to train, uh, time wise. I think my buddy Chino goes down the studio four and hits the bag there. Yeah, it's a it's a great gym. You know, it's not it's not a fighter's gym really, uh, or at all. But it's uh, what do you need to to be a fighter? You just need somewhere to train, something to hit. That's about it. Yeah, some, and, and most I I really don't even like bag work anymore. You know, I, some guys they're like, oh, I go in and did my ten rounds of bag. I'm like, ten rounds? Like, I get so bored hitting the bag. I do <laughs> I, when I'm in fight camp. I do three rounds three times a week. I do about yeah. nine rounds of bag work a week, and then uh, after that, I'm like, ah, stupid bag. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want I want a pad holder who's dynamic yeah. and hit back. So yeah, I'm not a big bag work guy either. But yeah, they do have bags there, and it's uh, it, it's good just for you know you see some guys who probably never trained before in their life. They just go throw some gloves on and pitter patter on the bag. It's great exercise, right? Yeah, as long as you're moving. Yeah, exactly. long, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anybody as long as you're doing it right and you're not going to damage yourself, it's a fun way to to burn some calories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gabriel, best of luck in 2017, Then I can't wait to find out what's next. Hopefully we uh, get some news. I'll be watching Facebook, and once you sign a contract with somebody, we'd love to get you back on here closer to your next fight. Sounds great. Thank yeah, thanks so much, guys. I, I know this uh, takes up your time, too, but it's always uh, so, so nice that people are helping the, the fight community with this kind of stuff. That's what we're trying to do, man. That's the goal here. So, All right. Well, take care, and I'll uh, look forward to chatting with you in 2017 then. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank right. you. Bye. Peace.